Black Flag at the Peppermint Lounge by Michael Diamond. Back in 81, the area near Times Square was straight up suspect. The Lower East Side, where we often hung out, may have been more dangerous, but Times Square was somehow much scarier. On the Lower East Side, the drug dealers were busy with a steady stream of dedicated customers. They were not hustling us, whereas in Times Square, it was always on full display. A carnival of live sex shows, porn theaters, and third-run kung fu movies attended by feral masturbators. Not a hood that we would visit for pretty much any reason until sometime in January or February 1981 when it was announced that the Peppermint Lounge, a club on West 45th Street that was renowned for being an incubator for the dance craze The Twist in the early 1960s, would be hosting the first ever East Coast performance by Black Flag. I fucking love Black Flag. Before I got their first EP, Nervous Breakdown, I had listened to many hours of punk rock, but this was something radically different. Noisier, super aggressive, and dissonant, with lyrics filled with paranoia and anger. Some of the ingredients had existed before, in bands like the Stooges, the Ramones, Black Sabbath, and the Dead Boys. But no one had put it together into anything like this. I mean, at the time, I had absolutely no frame of reference for Greg Ginn's incredible guitar playing. It was like some terrifying alien assault of squeal. When I listen now, it has more in common with the free jazz of Archie Shep to me than the crunch of Sex Pistols' Steve Jones. As a 13-year-old, I couldn't really compute, but I fucking loved it. Nervous Breakdown was a bird call to so many of us who were too young for the first wave of punk rock and craved an outburst of pure noise that we could call our own. So as soon as the announcement went out, life became, Black Flag is coming! Black Flag is coming! Our crew was completely amped. We got our hardcore uniforms on, our boots, our cuffed up jeans, our white t-shirts, and headed to the club ready for, well, I guess we had no idea what we were really ready for. I guess that's the point. But whatever we were expecting, it was nothing like what we found. First of all, the Peppermint Lounge was not small. The stage alone was bigger than most of the clubs we went to. This was not home court, like walking into CBGB or A7. The punk scene we were part of was essentially a small handful of art kids, and there were a few of them at the Black Flag show, including, I'd find out later, Adam Horowitz, whom we hadn't met yet. Mostly, though, the Peppermint Lounge was filled with gladiators we'd never seen before. Tons of suburban kids, mostly dudes, from Long Island and New Jersey and Queens, attracted not only by the music, but its rage. With 200-ish angry youths in the room, some may be fucked up and ready to go off, the show was like a powder keg waiting for a match, a gathering of outcasts who'd been waiting their whole lives for this moment. I was there with Nick Cooper. The place was super-duper packed. It felt very football team dude-ish. And I 100% remember seeing all you guys in the back of the place doing silly dances, making fun of people, and cracking up. You looked like the fun kids to hang out with. I remember because I saw Jill and Kate, who I recognized from around the neighborhood. It might quite possibly be the night that Michael Lewis Diamond, Adam Nathaniel Yauk, and I were first introduced. When the band eventually took the stage, the match was lit. It was as loud, abrasive, and straight-up exciting as a show could be. Shit was jumping off. I remember Greg Ginn's clear Lucite guitar with the band's Four Bars logo painted on it. 
I remember how Robo's cymbals were flat and not tilted. I remember how bass player Chuck Dukowski was missing a tuning peg, so he used pliers to put his bass in tune. Black Flag weren't dressed like punks. That was cool to me. I couldn't afford Doc Martens and a whole punk kit. So my beat-up sneaks and lame button-down shirts were fine. They kind of looked like the weird kids who hung out in that weird room in my high school, the one with that weird thing called a computer. It was as if those kids from the computer room were playing Ramon songs, really fast and really loud. Mostly, I remembered that it was the first time I'd seen kids really slam dancing and moshing. It was amazing, and it was terrifying. It turned out the dudes who actually knew how to mosh that night were a dedicated hardcore crew from Washington, D.C., who drove up in two vans to see the show, even though Black Flag was playing D.C. three nights later. Among them were Minor Threat singer Ian Mackay, his younger brother and member of the faith, Alec Mackay, Henry Garfield, singer in State of Alert, and a bunch of other DC and Discord Records associates. I'd later become friends with most of them, but their attitude that night was, fuck New York and everyone in it, we hate you. From a 1981 review that was printed in a zine called Critical List, DC people were the rowdiest dancers, occasionally clamoring on a stage over five feet high and falling back into the crowd. Des thanked DC punks for coming to the show. Most of the New York crowd, minus a select few, were pretty lame. By the end of the show, everyone there knew people were up there from DC and most felt intimidated. The show was probably one of the greatest we've ever seen, and it will be a long time before we forget it. They were really intimidating. They knew it and all of that came out in the first hardcore pit I'd ever witnessed. Our crew was literally pushed against the back wall like scared kids at a high school prom by the chaos and energy of the music and the pit in a way that we had never seen before. Not that I ever went to a high school prom, or maybe this show was kind of like my prom. By the end of the show, both the band and its audience were soaked through with sweat, shirts stripping, gasping for air, wondering what the fuck just happened. It was perfect. I guess every generation of music fans in every city has a moment that, in hindsight, stops time and focuses the energy of everyone in attendance. For us, it was Black Flag at the Peppermint Lounge. In retrospect, maybe the most impressive thing about the show is how many bands formed at that moment and in the aftermath. It inspired Yauk and John and me to form Beastie Boys a few months later. It inspired Adam Horvitz to form The Young and the Useless. Thurston Moore was there. He was already playing around with Kim, but they didn't debut as Sonic Youth until later that year. And that summer, DC punk and mosher Henry Garfield, who was seeing Black Flag for the first time that night, would join the group as its singer under the name Henry Rollins. To him, and all of us in the audience, that night in March changed what we thought was possible. <laughs> 